You're very welcome to another selection box from the Irishman Abroad Podcast Network. It's part of our independent bookstore series. The aim of this little mini-series that I'm putting together is to encourage you to get out there and rethink how you purchase your books. As I say, every week I recommend books on these shows, on all of my shows. A different book gets recommended, whether it's with Sonia O'Sullivan or Marion McKeown or Tom Dunn or whoever the guest is. I find myself going, and you can get that wherever you get your books. Well, it's kind of a lazy get out, isn't it? Because we know what the laziest way to get your book is. A couple of clicks. But doing that is affecting things around you. You don't think it. They are affecting the chances of an independent bookstore like Kevin Gildee's brilliant bookstore from occurring at all. Kevin's story and the story of Kevin Gildee's bookshop is really unusual when compared to last week's show of Books at One in Lewisburg in that, Kevin, you're probably not someone who ever thought you'd have a bookstore. But from what I can tell, people who collect books in such a large quantity as you is the seed of the idea just in your head that one day I could have uh, essentially a tribute to this in that I could share all of this, these books with other people? <laughs> I think there's definitely that. I think there was a stage I was buying books thinking I could sell this book, uh, <laughs> yeah. even though I had no platform to actually sell it. Mm. It was a dynamic that was in my head. I think it might be closely connected to a type of addiction as well, just collecting and collecting and collecting and having no outlet. So, the like, I'll go back to the beginning. When I think about it, when you think about things retrospectively, like you look at the seeds and you go, all right, that grew up into this big plant mm. that squashed me out of the room. When I was a <laughs> kid, like eight, nine, ten, eleven, say, I remember for a short period of time around a little lending library with my sisters and uh, I actually had a little book and they were charged a penny for reading each particular book and that lasted <laughs> you a charge couple of weeks. They would actually pay up? I would charge them. I was a businessman. <laughs> like, I was a businessman. I earned at least 6p in that first incarnation of my book business. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting because, like, I, I, it was definitely, a, but it was a sort of, <laughs> it wasn't a very well-run business. <laughs> and I think this is the same thing. I think, you know, like, I love the business end of it, making money, but it's run in quite um, an idiosyncratic way. Mm. that is similar to me you know yeah like it, the business side of it's interesting because i think when it when it like i was doing you know set up the comedy cellar with ardle and barry and the other guys in 88 like all i wanted to do was write and create and um you know i did that for like 30 years mm. but there was always this hidden business side and i remember when i was six because i was born in manchester and I'll always remember this moment when my my mom she planted a potato in Manchester. <laughs> I guess because <laughs> we were Irish, she wanted to show me. I don't know what it was. She was planting her own potatoes because we left when we when I was six. But I always remember being stunned by the fact that you put one potato in the ground 
and he got eight back. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. I was like so impressed. It was like a type of magic. And I think that return, like I forgot about that for like years and years and years. So it's quite interesting that I'm back in a type of, it is a type of business, but it's, but I don't consider it a business in one way. Like I am trying to create a livelihood, but it's coming from such, um, ah, books, you know, a special place. A you, special you, place yeah, you, you pulled back there. You pulled back on lo- on saying the word love, but it, it obviously is. It comes from a place of yeah, it's real a, sweetness and it's affection. A, it's a total passion. And it's like, I think after 30 years of doing comedy and writing all sorts of things, radio plays, short stories, I'm ill-equipped to go into a room where somebody tells me to do that. Mm-hmm. Take that staple and put it in the other part of staples. Which, as so we all know, is a legitimate job in the business world. <laughs> well, staple it, was, sorter. it was the key job in, in the 80s in Dublin. <laughs> the economy ran on that. <laughs> on the staple moving business, um, uh, Kevin. Let's let's get into though the 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 origins of the brilliant bookshop as it is today. It exists forty six A Georgia Street, Lower Dunleary, a permanent home for what was essentially a bookstall that popped up in different places. And if people were following you on Facebook, they knew where your vast collection of books could be found, and maybe they could find a gem in there. Rolling the dice, though, on deciding to go, right, this is going to be a bricks and mortar shop had to be a terrifying moment. You know, I I think it wasn't a terrifying moment because of all the baby steps that led up to it. Okay. I mean, granted, once again, when you're in a position, you take for granted how you got there. So those moments of terror are forgotten Mm. i think they're remembered when you have children because you see the you know those moments of terry i'm sure you're seeing them as well those stages they have to go through and you realize that big moment before and the big moment afterwards uh the big moment before is often erased in the sort of fact or habit of having established the second moment but if i think back i was very lucky because everything seemed to happen very organically. It was almost like fate was gone. This is your path, Kevin. Now, in terms of comedy, I was really enjoying my comedy. And, you know, I would say I was doing my best gigs ever. But I got a bit tired of ringing up people looking for gigs, to be honest. Mm. So my gigs were very patchy. I'd have a big bunch of gigs and then it went a bit quiet and then it was a big bunch of gigs. And actually, before the lockdown, I had, uh, for the first time, I had quite a few weekends booked in England as well. So they all got pulled. So I just went, you know what, I'm going to take a step back from this because there was no live gigs. Yeah. So it was like a little push towards something. The actual bookshop began with... um, it began with stalls. I think it was a boot sale first. And I only sold a few books and then the usual stuff. And I was surprised how much of a buzz I got talking to people and just having the crack at the stall. I really enjoyed it. And then I did a couple of Christmas fairs in my kids' school, New Park. And then Dunleary Rat Down Council. I live in Dunleary. They've got a brilliant thing, which is a, 
pop-up bookshop. So they had this one a shop, and then every week or two, they would have different uh, shops in it. And it always seemed to me that at the time, this a couple of years ago, was always it seemed to me to be just paintings or cushions and candles. And I just one day, I don't know why, I thought, why, why couldn't there be a bookshop in there? So I did that a couple of times, a week, two, and then two week stints. And then I did an entrepreneur's course for a few months in the Irish Times, which was great. And then uh, all these things sort of came along. And then the next stage seemed to be, okay, okay, <laughs> crazy idea, but... You know, crazy ideas that gradually happen don't seem quite so crazy mm. and set up a bookshop. So started looking for a place to rent and that process dragged on for a couple of years. I was in negotiation with one gentleman opposite where I actually am. He was a lovely, lovely landlord. And then sadly he passed away. So that put that on ice because... I wanted to leave the family alone. Then I discussed this place, which used to be a fish shop. And so my, you know, then moved in there last October, four and a half days before the lockdown. Ouch, ouch. And that is the number and the the time that I hear all the time in reference to the shop. And when you've been on the selection box here recommending books and films, uh, four and a half days before the lockdown, the second lockdown, so it would have been like October 2020. Was there that sense that you get when you're building a sandcastle on the beach? That uh, <laughs> Who am I kidding here? <laughs> or was there just a part of you that was like, no, this sandcastle is worth it. And uh, at least at least I'll remember how to build a sandcastle. Well, I guess with sandcastles, either the tide comes in and erodes it or the bully comes along and smashes it up. <laughs> I don't know which fate, particular fate version that was. What it was, was I <laughs> set it up. I knew there was going to be a lockdown. So at the time of, like when I signed the lease, there was a COVID clause in it because COVID had been around. So I didn't pay rent when there was a lockdown. Brilliant. And that is the only way. Yeah. That I'm still yeah, going because yeah. there's no way I could have sustained that. So even though it was quite bizarre to sort of set up a shop for four and a half days, knowing it was going to be locked down, I sort of knew that first lockdown was coming. And the work began, like once you sign, like signing the contract was the, was a big, big moment. You know, you really are going... Like, it was a year lease. Like, my lease runs out in October. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I'm mm. hoping that they extend the lease. You know, there's a strong, like, to jump back, there's, like, I opened in October. I'd been open for a little over a month since October. Do you know, that's mm. how crazy it is. So signing this lease was like, yeah, if I think back, it was really nerve wracking. You know, you're signing going, oh, God, what? like, I have no idea. I worked in a pop-up shop for a week and then I did another one for a week and then I did one for two weeks so I don't know the rhythm and patterns of a year you know it was nerve-wracking and uh but when you get stuck in then it, this place uh Kevin Lee's brilliant bookshop used to be a fish shop Fit Simon's 
which must so present its own it's challenges. Fun. I mean, that like, let's be honest, oh. the stink out of that. <laughs> I mean, that, my first that. thought when I when I heard that was like the the achievement of getting the stink out of that room <laughs> must must be that up there was, with opening the shop. That is surpasses opening the shop. <laughs> Getting the stink out of a fish shop. There's been a fish shop for a couple of decades. Oh my is God. my greatest achievement ever. <laughs> I want it on my tombstone. Tombstone. I'm going to be buried in, in the old tomb. west. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a tomb. No. I'm going to have my ashes buried and just have a tombstone. The ashes in the tombstone. Tombstone. Yeah. So... You do this, and it was like so nerve wracking. Like I was trying to do it, like I was trying to do it, save money. You know, I was really nervous about money. And, uh, and there's this guy I know, you know, really helped me and lend me some money. So the whole thing was like a big risk. Initially, I was trying to do the the lease and the cheap by asking as many people as I knew. So I collated all this information, and then before I signed, I just went. I have to go to the solicitor. I just have to. So I had to bite the bullet and pay for that. And then when you sign it, you're suddenly thrown into, you're not sitting there going, oh, is this a good idea? You've got practical things to do. And the biggest one was getting the smell out because I didn't know if I could get the smell out. I was really, you know, I was quite worried <laughs> that this fish smell would just, I was thinking if I can't get rid of the smell in the bookshop, I'm going to have to sell two or three fish a day just to excuse the smell. <laughs> yeah, and there's also the danger that the books would start smelling of fish. <laughs> <laughs> I like Kevin's bookshop, but I swear be... there's the books all smell of fish. <laughs> I'll have to sell books about angling and <laughs> yeah. So I had the in weekends in my life where... I read all the things about getting rid of smell. There's no point covering the smell. You have to absorb the smell. So I, in the actual bookshop, I had, like, the, the room was empty. So I had corn flour. I was throwing corn flour all over the walls and the ceiling. I had half lemons all over the floor. I had half onions all over the floor and bowls of coffee ground. And I was doing this late on a Friday night. And I'm not kidding you. People were looking in. <laughs> One guy was mouthing, what are you doing? I look like an insane artist creating some sort of installation. I, like there was just like this corn everywhere. It was like a mad, like I was like the guy in Scarface. <laughs> you had to or think to yourself like at creating... some point during this, do I really, <laughs> really like selling books? <laughs> I didn't, I just got into the, the maddest, craziest place. It was like so intense. And it was like, just it, that scene was like literally, there was just this white powder everywhere. <laughs> it was like I was building the worst winter wonderland in the world. And it was so intense that, that, that weekend. It was just really crazy. And, and, then, and then the smell was gone. Like, it really is a story. Like, it's not a story I expected to be going into in this episode. But <laughs> but it is it is the kind of making or breaking of the shop in so many ways that like if you if you literally come in after that weekend and been like, this smell has bested me. There may not have been a shop. There just, it's possible to get it's in the walls. I can't get this out. 
You know, it that that is true. And like I said about that thing, when you move on, you sort of can forget moments like that. I think that's why I love writing, because you, you name those moments. You know, there's a type of person who doesn't want to, I think that COVID is quite interesting, the type of person who doesn't want to remark on anything. You know, particularly if you're talking to somebody about something and they think you're in, there's a difference between indulging and witnessing and remembering. And like, it is amazing to think it really was a moment where if I didn't get rid of that smell, I was like, I really was in big trouble, you know, and I didn't know that these, these, if these things would work. So that day when I came in and I'd, beaten the smell <laughs> i mean man that was such a day what that a was buzz. such a day yeah, because it was, it was it was a buzz but it was about survive it was about yeah. more than a buzz it was like you know that really would have i, I like i don't know what would have happened if we wouldn't be having this chat yeah certainly because like let's face it like this may to people that aren't into bookshops they won't get that like everybody understands what a fish smell is, but people who are only people who are into bookshops understand what a bookshop smell is. And for a lot of well, people, you know, the bookshop smell is just so part of the smell of books is the, is the is such a big part of the experience of going to a great bookstore. Am I wrong on that? You are totally right. And I think particularly with secondhand bookshops, there's a whole other layer of smell going on. Mm. And there's a variety of smells. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like a, a book taster. Kevin Gilding's book smelly bookshop. <laughs> yeah. I will tell you the smell of your... <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, um, but what do you mean uh, by a variety? <laughs> yeah, what do you mean by a variety in that you, you can kind these of tell... These books are... Yeah, these books are different ages, you know. So some of them smell at their peak, other ones smell. There's a, just different types of book smells from different. I'm beginning to sound like an insane man now. <laughs> no. By their nature, because they come from, you know, different times. Mm. So there's different a different smell. And it's quite funny, even when I reopened, like, you know, I've just been open now. This is, is it the beginning of the third week? because I closed yesterday, I closed on the Monday, uh, or is it the beginning of the second week? I've already lost track of time. Like, that's how crazy. It's two weeks, isn't it? It is. Have it is. It's two weeks. The lockdown's off. So, like, I still, you know, at the beginning was asking people, does it smell like books? Does it smell like books? Because <laughs> I feel like I still have the ghost of some yeah, of the yeah. smells in yeah. my nose. I'm haunted nose. Well, let me ask you this, Kevin. Before, uh, we've got to get off the subject of smells, even though it is it is so part of it. Uh, I want you to get mm. into two, two things. And I guess the, f the first is there's a rise in the independent bookstore. There is, you know, a noticeable rise in their numbers. And the appreciation of them. Part of the reason this series is here is because I'm not sure that everybody's on board with this wave. And I'd like more people to get on board because there is something just so unbelievably special about the independent bookstore experience when it's curated with the passion and the love that you've referenced. 
sure, you can find a crap place where books are sold, but it's rare enough because the experience of going to even a black book store, as depicted by Dylan Moran, was fun in itself. And I kind of that series did highlight that even in a bad bookstore where the owner is horribly rude to you, there's something fun about that too. The journey, the investigation, the kind of uh, detective work needed, the hidden gems and treasure behind every corner. You understand what I'm talking about here, but what do you attribute the rise of the independent bookstore movement to? You know, I... The rise of the independent bookstore, I, I, it's hard to for me to achieve. I can only talk about my experience in Kevin Lee's brilliant bookshop and people's attitude when they come in. I mean, people, a lot of people are just really happy and appreciative that there's a bookstore open. Like they come in and they say, oh, this is great. This is great. It's a bookstore. They feel like uh, an amenity. It's almost like it's one of the, it's, it's an amenity. It's like almost like a public amenity, even though it's a business. Like, you know, a couple of times, it must be the only business where a couple of times people have actually said to me, keep the change. Wow. And I feel that sums something up where they feel, not all people, but there's an element where they feel they're supporting something that they love that's there. Like, and if I think about myself, like, John, you know, I love going to this local Eamon's bookshop in Sandy Cove. You know, I just love going in Pottering there. There used to be a brilliant one in Dunleary that went. And just the loss of that, you know, you felt it. Then there was uh, this Raven Books in Black Rock. And then there was another guy who ran the most brilliant, oh, higgledy-piggledy, findy findy shop and he went and that was a sad day so i think you can measure the importance or what they mean by the sense of loss when they go and i think covid i think it was happening before covid but i think that covid made people appreciate the local because they were thrown back on the local i think it's like an illness makes people thrown back on their family and realize to an extent, all oh, right, our priorities are this and this and this. They actually fold back down to a closer circle. And I think the independent bookshop is part of that, you know, a lot of local shops. And then I think it just has that, air, you know, air of possible misanthropic owner or higgledy-piggledyness or messiness or... Or uh, treasure. Which, it, it, yeah, well, what I'm saying is if you see it from the outside, it can look like that without the treasure. And any other retail shop that had that will be closed <laughs> down. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it can actually be a benefit. Like, I, like unlike Black Books, like I sometimes feel like I'm Dylan Moran when the shops close. <laughs> but when the shops open, I just, I mean, that uh, when I open, I, just the crack and the fun with people and discussing with people what 
they're interested in. Like it's like getting little, every now and again getting little mini lessons in certain areas of literature or books or interests, and talking to somebody who's expressing their interest and what their passion is. Mm, mm. I mean, what what's better than that? And having a laugh. Oh, absolutely, laugh. I mean, absolutely. I mean, so much of so much of this podcast is built on curiosity, and as you say, the crack and the laugh. Uh, the give and take of conversation, uh, there is nothing quite like that. And as you say, that that's part of what people are gravitating towards, in my opinion. But that must surprise you in some ways, because, you know, I find a lot of comics are much more insular uh, and happy in their own company, whatever way you want to put it. But people are often surprised at how much comics like being by themselves. And I think Tommy Tiernan described it being like a, a whale at the bottom of the ocean and coming up for your bit of air is your stage time that you need to gather steam to, to, to do it again. But what you've just described there is is the opposite of that. Like you're dying to meet people who come come in the door. Has that surprised you? You know, it's a funny thing. I'm not actually dying in the sense of anticipating it, but I'm surprised at how much I enjoy it when it happens. And I think on Monday when I opened two weeks ago, from what you tell me, <laughs> I was surprised how much I missed it by doing it. I think I have that dynamic where I have to do it to realize that I need it. Or I was trying to survive by suppressing it. But on every level, it was like, on every level, I needed it so badly. Like, in terms of a job and the framework of a job and going somewhere and having value and having people talk and selling books and making money, on every level, I, Jesus, God, I missed it so badly. I think what Tommy's talking about, I feel the same thing as well, because I'm always interested in this sort of introvert, extrovert division, which I think is quite Mm -hmm. full. But I do need, I'm not one of these people who can be giving it out 24 hours. I have to go and recharge, you know, I have to do that. But I do find from people coming in, I just get an energy off it. It's definite energy and just people are really up for a laugh, which I, I like. Well, let me ask you one final question, Kevin, because sometimes the the paradigm or the, the narrative that we're sold is that Amazon is the horrid, you know, Goliath uh, or mustache twirling villain of the book selling industry. And then I find myself in an independent bookstore and I'm going... Jeez, if it wasn't for Amazon, this place wouldn't have half the books in it that it does. So so many of the books that I find in independent bookstores are people who went, who bought something on a whim and thought uh, they'd never have bought that book. Like never. Not, not a chance. But some night they came in pissed and they said, that's it. I'm buying this book. And... Uh, this is going to improve my life. It arrives. They can't remember why they bought it or they realize very quickly this is not the book that I'm after. And they come to you and they go, I bet someone else would love this. Am, am I in some ways attempting to bridge this gap and that there is no two ways about it? 
That's, I don't I'm, know. You're looking for new sponsorship for your podcast, <laughs> are you? <laughs> the, um, Jeff Bezos is listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> the from his bunker. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. Amazon as the bees pollinating the book world. Mm. I love that idea. You know, I think this is so untruth in that. Like in my time, I've used Amazon because. You know, like I've spent so many decades buying secondhand books that I find it hard to spend money on a new on a new book at this stage. You know, I've always shopped in secondhand bookshops. And sometimes, you know, I admit it, I have gone on Amazon, you know, particularly if there's a really unusual book. But it's it, again, when I when on Amazon, I usually buy secondhand books, you know what I mean? But that might be a bit more expensive. So when it comes to Amazon, I, I sort of don't really think about it in a way. Like I just read that Amazon was killing the book industry. You know, Kindle was killing the book. Kindle didn't kill the book. The book came back with a vengeance. I read, I don't know the name of it, but it started in America and there might be one in Britain where a lot of independent bookshops banded together to create an online presence to sort of counteract Amazon. And I thought that was a brilliant reaction to it. And from what you're saying and from what I've heard, like the independent bookshop seems to be like doing better, you know, really well and really strong. So I'd be quite optimistic, particularly from just the people who come into me. People just want, they love that there's a, a, a secondhand bookshop, you know? Yeah. They love bookshops and they go and they buy their new books and then they just love that, like, a freaky shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I love it. I, I can't wait to visit it, Kevin. Uh, Kevin Gildee's brilliant Can I just bookshop. say one thing yeah, before, go uh, before I go? Like, the big thing, when I was running the pop-up shops, I had lunchtime interviews with different people, mm. like David McWilliams and Ardell O'Hanlon and Michelle Reed. And... When I get back, like at the moment, because it's been such a delay, I've just co I had to concentrate on getting books in and selling books out. But my big thing, I think, is that I ultimately want to create a cultural hub. There's a place where there's like, you know, little interviews people come to, which I did in the pop-up shops. And then ideally, you know, small gigs and small readings, because for me, you know, that's ultimately what I want to create. It's sort of like a brilliant bookshop, but it's got to have like it's got to have a living, breathing cultural life as well, which strangely the bookshop on its own does because people like just yeah. having the crack coming in and out. But I think that's the ultimate place I'd like to go with it. I, I think the little performance platform in the corner is something I can picture. I would definitely be up for coming into a, a mini gig at lunchtime on your break or whatever. I think that's an exceptional idea and I can see it in the future for you. Uh, Kevin Gildee's brilliant bookshop 46A, George Street Lower, Dunleary, if you're in the area or if you're not in the area, just, I mean, come on, take a trip to Dunleary this summer and head in and pop in and say hello to Kevin Gildee in Kevin Gildee's brilliant bookshop. This is, of course, the selection box from the Irishman Abroad Podcast Network. And we love your suggestions for bookshops that I should be talking to in this little mini series that we're putting together to promote independent booksellers around Ireland. Irishman Abroad Podcast at gmail.com. The live line number is in the info. 
I would love to hear from you your experience in independent bookshops and maybe we'll play a couple of those voice notes out on WhatsApp. Thank you so much, Kevin, uh, for this. Really, really good fun and best of luck with the rest of the summer. Uh, I hope things continue the way they're going in the first two weeks, if it is in fact two weeks since you opened. Uh, Massive (laughs) shouts as well to Brian Connolly for his production. John Marr, who's doing Trojan work on preparing the research and tracking down all these people and these bookstore owners across Ireland. And of course, Tina and Mikey, who make it all possible. Jigsaw.ie is my chosen charity partner. So if you're going to give any money to any charity this week, make sure it's Jigsaw.ie and the work they do for youth mental health in Ireland is unparalleled. Kevin Gildee, I will see you in the bookshop in early August. I can't wait. Oh, brilliant. See you then, Joe.